Tea and Toast. I'm Christy and I'm in New Zealand. And I'm Sean and I am in Scotland. Tonight we're going to bring you Fantasy World. So as you probably all know, we are both avid, avid book readers. Um, it has yep. been with us since day one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we thought we'd bring you our topic, that, well, our genre that we love the most, which is fantasy. And Absolutely. Yeah, just yep. get into it. But 100%. Before we get started, mm-hmm. what are you drinking tonight? So I... This morning, I should say. <laughs> yeah, this morning. Exactly. <laughs> I have, uh, over the last uh, six weeks, I have been starting my day with a cup of mint tea. Nice. But... Yeah, the other day I was in the shop and I saw a matcha mint tea. Ooh, ooh, do so tell. I, thought, I know. So I thought, well, combination of green tea plus mint tea must be even better. Yeah. Um, and it's good, but it's not minty enough. Uh, maybe yeah. you should add like a mint tea bag into it to give it just a little bit more kick. Now there's an idea. <laughs> I do have them. I do have them. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> what about you? What, what's sustaining you this evening? Uh, my trusty old lamb sip. If you can't already oh. hear, I've got a little bit of a cold, so I thought I'd have a lamb sip before bed. The funny yeah. thing is, um, so I do like a click and collect from my supermarket when I do the shopping, and they put in a packet of tea which I was really interested to try because it was apple pie tea. I don't okay. know whether that's going to be absolutely revolting mm. or quite yeah. nice. I'm thinking like apple and spices rather than pastry. Yes. If they went down that route, I think that would be more uh, drinkable mm. and pastry in a cup. Interesting. You'll have to report back on that one. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that'll be our next one when I've hopefully got rid of whatever this okay. is and we'll yeah. have a um, – Apple pie tea. <laughs> yes. And Sounds talking of, doesn't it? <laughs> it does a wee bit. <laughs> but talking of more edible delights, I wanted to give an honorable mention. I don't have any right now, but I have it on my I will eat it today list. Um, is my sourdough toast. Oh, uh, yeah. So my stepdad has been making homemade sourdough. So he stepped up his bread making. I, it, in truth, I may have given him some sourdough starter for his birthday in the hope that he would make me sourdough bread. And he has. Yay. That's awesome. <laughs> I was thinking That's about so that as well. Um, we have a sourdough bread that I get just from the supermarket, like a, a loaf bread, which is really nice. And I always, have that with like lathers of butter and honey on it oh yeah so good so so good and um yeah because i was going through a phase of buying it from the supermarket but see the homemade stuff it's super sour oh is that yeah but like in a really good way Mm. um and i bought some because i ran out i bought some from the shop uh, a couple days ago and it's just not the same now i'm like oh i can imagine yeah yeah, I think I need a sourdough starter, but I just don't know where I'd put it or have the time to do it. So you can buy them online already, <laughs> which I've discovered. So I'm, I'm I'm seriously tempted to get some and then get the baskets. But it was mm. a whole thing. I ended up having a, a basket full of about 50 pounds worth of sourdough related uh, baking stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for those that are not in the UK, she's meaning dollars rather than yes. um, weight. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
<laughs> money, lots and lots of money that yeah. I don't have. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see like it's something that started during the lockdown. I don't know whether it was the same for you guys, um, mm. but everyone started making sourdough and bread because of what else were you going to do while you were sitting at home doing nothing? 100%. Or, or at least trying to stay sane. But um, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, And I'm, I'm happy because I'm reaping the benefits of it. So it's all good in my better. book. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now that we've discussed all the yummy stuff, let's get into fantasy worlds. So tell me, when was it that you came across the genre fantasy? Do you remember? I think I've, no, I think I've been reading it ever since I've been reading, like right from the start. And, um, it is a genre which I was looking at my bookshelf um, when we kind of uh, posed this topic, <laughs> and I realised I think about seventy five percent of everything I read is in a yeah in this kind of fictional genre of either magic or folklore, sci fi or horror. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I've tried to read more. I guess you call it like normal drama, and I do read some crime fiction. But yeah. I don't, I want to escape to another world. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I I feel the same. I When you think back on it, like with our other podcast, we spoke about how Roald Dahl was a huge, mm. huge influence on us as yep. kids. When you think about it, that's fantasy. Like <laughs> it's absolutely way back then. <laughs> like, you don't really think of it as a genre. You just think of it as like a kid thing, but so much of kids' books are fantasy because it means you can enter a world that is anything. Yes, and I, what I like about it is that there are no limitations um, and really good authors understand that it's not about just doing everything and anything. There, there has to be, strangely enough, a, a reality and a grounding in their fantasy mm. world in order for it to be believable. Um and and keep you hooked, I guess. Yeah. But um, it but it also just means that you don't know what you're going to expect when you're reading it, and that's something that I I really enjoy. Um, yeah. Being yeah, it keeps me wanting to turn the next page. Definitely. So I've been reading, thanks to you, a lot of urban fantasy. And um, for those mm -hmm. that don't know what urban fantasy is, it is um, basically set in the here and now but with a little bit of magic on the side. So like um, Harry Potter was technically classed as urban fantasy because it was set in the here and now. Well, mm -hmm. 20 years ago now, but um, <laughs> but it obviously had all the magical side to it. Um, so you've got obviously, again, like Lord of the Rings, where it's a whole new world. Everything yes. is complete. Like there's nothing that relates to Earth as such. Yes. But yeah, I do quite like the urban fantasies. Um, I would agree. Um, and this might come as a shock, and I do apologize for the great uh, R. Tolkien fans out there, but uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Lord of the Rings. I've never read it. Oh, I managed to get, I read The Hobbit. I read the first of the trilogy and half of the second book, and then I was just like, this is too much. Mm. I it is, it's too many words, uh, too many different um, histories and stories and subplots, yeah. and 
I, I, did, I did enjoy the films, but I won't, I'm not likely to rewatch them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I completely appreciate their place in literature and why oh, they're yes. so admired and adored by people. But I would rather read again, like you mentioned, the urban fantasy. For me, my one of my favorite sort of subgenres of the fantasy world is uh, Japanese and Korean fantasy. Oh, so I started reading um, Murakami. Oh, probably. Love, yes. Oh, yes. I, I don't know how many books I've read or had over the years. Oh, they're brilliant. And they're very challenging. Um, mm. You know, they when I read the first one I read was the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. And it was just so unlike anything I'd ever read ever before in my life. And that was exciting in itself. But it did. It wasn't a book you could you could just read while you were falling half asleep. You really had to focus on it yeah. in order to follow the story. Um, but it was so worth it. Um, I now have a whole collection. I haven't read that one, so I must write that down and um, take note <laughs> so I can mm-hmm. add it to my collection. Uh, I am reading your suggestion of the Chronicles of St. Mary's. Oh, um, yes. I'm still in love with the series. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, my cat is just wanting to join <laughs> us this evening. <laughs> if you can hear anything. Um, so I'm on to, I think it must be the ninth or tenth book now. Mm-hmm. I think there's 13 in this one, isn't there? Yep. I think she's still writing, but yeah, so far 13. I think I have 13. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. I've almost caught you up. <laughs> uh, but I love the fact that it's like historic, it's, um, it's modern, it's, it's fantasy. There's so much mm. going into it. Um, but the other one that I've been reminded of lately is, um, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce the last name correctly, but Jasper Ford or Forday or. Yes. Yeah. I have one of his. I've not read it yet, uh, partly because the text is really small. <laughs> <laughs> Can need glasses like me. <laughs> probably will. <laughs> um, so he's got a series and I remember one of my old flatmates giving this his well, he had like the series of the books um and he gave it to me to read and it's Thursday next um she is the main character mm-hmm. and I haven't read it for 20 years I think must be coming up close to that anyway mm-hmm. uh, I just remembered them recently and I was like oh I've really got to get back into it so I've downloaded a couple on my Kindle to get into once I've finished um this latest chronicles book (laughs) yes I must pick that one up um I think that's part of the problem of being a bibliophile is that uh, certainly in my case I go through phases of buying lots of books yes um and I in the last two months I think I've Fourteen new books. Um, that's a that's a couple. <laughs> it, it is a few. I mean, a few of them are like follows ons in series. Mm. Um, so I know well, when I'll get you start around to a series, you have to continue. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then a few of them are quite new ones. And the one I'm reading at the moment is this author called China, and I'll probably mispronounce this, <laughs> but I think it's China Meville. Myville, mm-hmm. uh, a British uh, London-based author, and he's writing these completely uh, 
sort of fantasy worlds. So the one I'm reading at the moment is called The City and the City. And it's effectively, it's a crime Mm. Uh, a crime story, but it's set in a fictional European city, which is split into two, but they overlap. But wow. the people in one city, well, neither of them, neither of the inhabitants can see or they're, they're trained not to see the other. <laughs> um, I know. And it's it's taking me the best part of the first sort of six or seven chapters to get my head around what's actually happening alongside mm. this uh, this crime that's taken place. But again, it, it's challenging because you're like, mm. well, I understand the concept of Berlin. You know, there was a city that was split down the middle literally by a wall, but this yeah. is taking it to the point where one inhabitant of city A lives on one side of the street and on the other side of the street is city B, but neither of them are, can see each other. Oh, I think this might be another one I need to add. It kind of reminds me of the series, again, a suggestion from you, the Alice series. Oh, yes. Yes, she's in my list. (laughs) Uh, What's her name? Christina... Um, uh, Christina Henry. Henry. I was going to say Headley, but Henry, yes, that's it. Um, I found that one really, really fascinating, but it took me a while to get into. Oh, really? I think because um, I've been reading the, the Chronicles of St. Mary's and it's a very light, easy read. Like I can yes. just rip through a book in a couple of days. And I found that this one was just, you had to concentrate a little bit mm-hmm. more. And like there are characters because it's really, really loosely based on Alice in Wonderland. There are characters that relate to Alice in Wonderland, but they don't. And yes. so you could easily just like let yourself go and then go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I've got to come back yeah. and figure out what I'm actually <laughs> reading. <Yes. here." laughs> and it's, I would say it's probably one of the most creepy fantasy. So creepy. Oh, I'm, yes. I've got the third one, which I've started, but um, I was not in the right uh, awakeness to read it. So that's mm-hmm. on my list to get back into. Yes. Cause there's Alice. And then I've read the next one, which is the, the red queen, which was yes. fantastic. I read that. One. Um, I've got the looking glass on my list, but I've also got, I read the mermaid. So oh yes. The little mermaid, but, but they all, she combines it with the story of, um, well, the American PT Barnum, around mm. the, the circuses or the the kind of yes the yeah and that's really freak shows or whatever they call yeah okay. so i, I will recommend add that one. it's very sad though um but yeah there's a whole load i've got the the lost boy the girl in red i've got a whole load oh and the ghost tree <laughs> <laughs> we've got so many more to read it's ridiculous yeah <laughs> see it's funny like i've switched to kindle because mm-hmm. it works better for me being able to carry it around with me and it has the light on it at night time. And yeah, I just really don't have the space for books, but Oh, how I miss that smell and the, like the, the physically holding it. And <laughs> yeah. I really do get a kick out of that. And also if I'm perfectly honest, like I, I know the genre that I enjoy and I know the kind of style of writing that I enjoy as well. But what, when I'm in a bookshop, my approach is I look for a book cover that appeals, that yes. looks different because that is the, you know, like, don't know judge a book by its cover. By cover <laughs> but you know what? I do. I, yeah, um, I do too. Because they're, they're pieces of art. And I have literally, I've, I found a book that I've 
or I've heard about a book that I want to read. I've gone to find it. I don't like the cover and I will, I will scour to find an alternative version because my bookcase is, is like a piece of art for me. Every sure, book, it is. It really you know, is. Absolutely. Um, but there are a couple, there's um, the sci-fi series, like publications, the, the masterworks. And although they're not the most beautiful book covers, like they're just yellow and, and green, but they do make, they do publish some of the most interesting books. So oh. the one I most recently bought that I haven't read yet is um, Kairos by Gwyneth Jones. Mm-hmm. And it, was written in the 80s, but it's basically talking about what's happening right now in the UK. Oh, wow. So I'm I'm kind of excited to read that. But I, I know that with these ones, these require a lot more attention. See, it's funny. Like, um, prior to you reintroducing fantasy to me, I was mm-hmm. very much into women's literature. So, you know, the story of how, like, especially women in the Middle East and how Mm -hmm. they got to wherever they are. And um, so it's really quite interesting going from like such a heavy, heavy topic often to something so light and fun and breezy and magical or for lack of better word there. Yeah, I know. And then, but then on the other hand, you can, you can find incredibly deep, Mm. um, philosophical and, you know, world challenging novels. So the one I really wanted to mention was Seeing by Mm -hmm. Jose Saramago now, or Saramago. So he won a Nobel Peace Prize for literature for this. And it's effectively, again, about a world that we don't know the name of. And one of the things I absolutely loved about this book was all the characters don't have names. They're only known by their discernible features. So there's a prostitute and she's known as the prostitute throughout. Wow. Um, and so you really do apply your own interpretation you mm. know, upon these characters, which I really, really liked from a creative perspective. Um, but the long and the short of this story is uh, the sit and it was made into a okay film, um, but the citizens wake up one day and they've all gone blind. Wow. And it's how they then deal with that scenario without being able to have one of the main senses. And of course it gives you, it's a complete fantasy story, you know? Um, I mean, it is to a certain extent about a pandemic, mm. um, <laughs> but uh, it gives you, <laughs> I know, surprisingly, uh, but it gives you a real insight into how we as a as a race or as a humanity would deal with something quite as um, altering as that. But then also actually there's really people that do live without seeing and, mm. you know, and, and get a little insight, um, pardon the pun, into what their <laughs> lives would be like. But that, that yeah, very ch- a challenging read, but a very, very interesting one. Well, challenging is always a good thing, I think. Mm, I agree. Definitely like getting your head into something that really – tests you and like yeah I used to read a lot of romance novels when I was like a teenager mm-hmm. and early early adult and I don't know if you remember the ones like they must have put out like hundreds of them in their like 90s and, and not Mills and Boone but kind of like the teenage version of it and okay oh, 
I remember having like just bucket loads of those books and uh, <laughs> it was funny because they always kind of said it was like one writer, but then coming mm. back, it's like, oh, actually there was probably about 30, 40 writers banging yes. out all these books. And <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I've um, I've never been a romance novel girl. It's just not something. And people have recommended books for me to read, like, you know, trashy novels on holiday. But my trashy my version of trashy is probably again one of my all-time favorites i do love classical literature and um the one book that really did change um my perception of of classical literature was pride and prejudice um and i went through a major jane austen phase and i read the bronte sisters <laughs> and absolutely fantastic however saying that my favorite version of pride and prejudice is by uh, seth graham green and that's Pride and Prejudices and Zombies. Oh, now I need a copy of that. So this is brilliant. It's basically he's taken the book Pride and Prejudice um, almost verbatim, and then he's adapted it um, to add in this narrative of uh, zombies. Um, well, a good story always has a zombie. Absolutely. Um, but what I also loved about it is that Elizabeth is a badass zombie killer brilliant um, so it, it's absolutely fantastic i highly recommend it there's a whole series of them he wrote um what did he write he wrote sense and sensibility and sea monsters like and it. also i think it's abraham Vink lincoln vampire killer <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i like that there's people taking like the classics and spinning it their own way but mm. still making it like really really fantastic oh 100 percent, absolutely um and i think that's what i like about the fantasy genre is like i said at the top of this there's no limits um, mm. but as long as you're good i mean i've certainly picked up books which i'm just like oh this is this is awful or this is, yeah. or this is just copying you know almost directly from something else that's been successful or um or sometimes too complex. Uh, one of the ones that I, I did enjoy, but I found quite challenging um, and didn't fully understand until actually the film didn't help me either, but was <laughs> Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell. No, oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, so that spans multiple, if I get this correctly, it spans multiple timelines, six different stories. Um, so it's like from the 19th century through to a post-apocalyptic future, um, there's different languages. It's a very, really interesting book, but it was, yeah, it was almost a little too complicated in the way that it was written. I guess it's kind of the same with like Game of Thrones. Huge, mm. hugely popular series. The books were really amazing. But again, there was so much detail, so much like put into it that if you didn't really have the time to sit and learn who everybody was and mm. how they related to this person and that person, you can get lost so easily. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, that, so, and you know, there's a place for that. Absolutely. And, um, and of course that then created pr probably one of my favorites television series of all time. Cause I yes. absolutely love game of Thrones. Um, currently the debating, last season. Mm. Ah, see, I, I didn't mind it so much. Uh, <laughs> I was I was happy with it. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, sometimes less is more. Mm. Yeah. 
So one of the things that um, I found from reading both the books and listening to what people say is to not over-describe the character too much. Mm. So, you know, some books you get into and they describe like their eyelashes and their their way their nose crinkles when they smile and blah, blah, blah. I, with this latest book I'm writing, I've decided to have no descriptions. Mm-hmm. You'll know their names, but that's it. But it means mm-hmm. that I feel that the reader can decide who the person is to them. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that approach as well. Um, I did a, a writing class just before the pandemic, um, and I wanted to go down an approach similar, but like I was inspired by Jose Saramago, so I didn't give the characters names. Mm. And the the person leading the the writing group was just like, yeah, that was good, but you need to give your characters names. And I'm like, no, no, you're missing the point entirely <laughs> of what I'm writing. Um, but that spurred me on in my stubbornness and I ended up writing something and I gave the character a number. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's even better. <laughs> Sometimes we need that spike just to like push us through. Like, don't tell me how to write my story. <laughs> That's why I'm here. But don't tell me. <laughs> Guide me. Don't tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Overly descriptive, overly flowery use of yeah description really turns me off. I'm like, mm, if I can't, mm-hmm. I and I think this comes back to how we both uh, read, in that we create these worlds in our minds as we're yeah. reading them. We don't need. To be told, in fact, if there's too much description, I can't envisage. Yes. I find it harder to envisage. Yes, yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, like when you get all those little details, you spend too much time trying to make all those little details in your head. And you're like, oh, no, I just want to keep going, not think about yes. all the yeah. little spots. And <laughs> yeah. But I have realized that, you know, when we talked about our the books that inspired us when we were kids, um, and for me, there was uh, The Twits, and mm-hmm. obviously, well, with Roald Dahl and, and Quentin Blake, did the they teamed up, and I love illustrations in books, um, and I and in whatever fashion, and that's why, again, I, I think there's little illustrations in the Alice books, which I quite like. Um, but one of the ones that I thoroughly enjoyed, um, and I picked this up, I think I must have been in my late 20s, um, is called The 13 and a Half Lives of Captain Blue Bear. It's by Walter Moores. And it's this absolute <laughs> tone, right? And it's about these, it's got mini, mini pirates and a baby bear with blue fur um, who's found inside a walnut shell floating on the ocean towards a giant whirlpool. And it's <laughs> a little adventure story. I mean, it's, you'd think because of the way that it looks, it's designed for kids, but it's not. But it has the most gorgeous drawings throughout oh, it. Wow. Um, every page has a little illustration of <laughs> crazy characters. Um, and then there's these books within it. He does the second one. Um, and I, it's one I've had on my bookshelf now for years. I, when I have the time, I'm going to reread this um, because okay, it, I it need to just know. utterly compelling. I need to know that one so I can add it to my list as well. Yeah, and I can't wait to give it to my nephew when he's old enough. But there's like a big, yep, a big um, 
Dragon, yes. So that one I will put on the list for you. <laughs> oh, I think at the end of this one, when we list the podcast, we're going to have to remember every single book we've mentioned and like write a list of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I've um, started doing this year. I started doing it right at the end of last year. So it kind of failed, but um, Goodreads does like a challenge of how many books to read in a year. You set your challenge and you do it. Um, so my one at the moment, if I can find it, my reading challenge, I have set myself um, 30 books for the year. I'm up to four so far. Ooh, so well I'm done. doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, wow. Two stories of true life and two fantasies. And that's nice. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I am well behind. I think I'm on book number two. It's terrible. Um, I get a chapter at a time in an evening, but I need to ramp it up. I need to read a little bit more at the weekends, I think. Mm. Find a little bit more time. But yes, I like I, that. I, yeah. I like a challenge. <laughs> so are you going to join up to that one as well? Do I you might have to look into that. 30 yep. for the year or whatever you decide to choose. <laughs> yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I like a challenge. But speaking of challenges, I <laughs> I was looking for a really interesting non-book related fact to bring <laughs> to the podcast today. And um, something that I love seeing, but I don't think I would ever own myself, but I love seeing gardens that are filled with gnomes. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? They're the most ugly things, but yeah. there's something incredibly they just put a smile on my face. They're, they're quite compelling. Um, but what I didn't realize is that there's been this trend uh, called gnoming. So it's, it, people take their gnomes on holiday with them and they take pictures of their roaming gnomes around the world. <laughs> and, uh, and I love this. I mean, at the moment on Reddit, there's this whole trend of putting googly eyes on everything, <laughs> yes. uh, random things, which I love. But but what I what I discovered when I was looking into this, that um, in France, there's the Garden Gnome Liberation Front. <laughs> it's the community of people who steal gnomes from people's gardens um, and they don't return them. Um, but it, it's part of like freeing the gnomes and returning <laughs> them to the wild. Um, but it has resulted in people going to jail. They've been prosecuted and they've gone to jail for it. Um and I just thought this was absolutely hilarious. But the idea of freeing the gnomes, and it, I suppose it has a bit of a fantasy element to it. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you've heard of this. I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been the UK. Lovely old granny had this like garden set up with all the gnomes. And somebody went along and stole one of the gnomes went backpacking and sent postcards and photos of the gnome traveling around. And then that. when it came back, had like a book or something to give to her with all the photos and things of where it had been. And That's superb. And I love the fact that they returned it. I mean, that yeah. is, that's really good. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> really enjoyed I would I would be quite happy if someone did that to me. That would be brilliant. Yeah, mm. I love that. Um, but that totally reminds me of, um, so my, my sister and now brother-in-law went to art college and when it was their final degree show, 
uh, I went along and um, one of the other students who ended up becoming, uh, for a while, I think, ended up becoming quite a well-known artist locally in Edinburgh anyway. He did this whole installation piece. He went round Marchmont and Brunsfield, which, as you know, oh, is quite, nice. a, <laughs> yeah, it's quite a nice posh part of Edinburgh. And he liberated, shall we say, people's front doormats. <laughs> and and for the final uh, degree show, he laid out all of these doormats. And it was kind of like a story of, you know, passing through into people's homes. And yeah, how funny. Of, yeah it was really <laughs> funny. I, I really liked it. But yes, he did get into trouble. Some people reported the theft of their doormats to the police. Is it really worth it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, it's always stuck with me. It made an impression, I have to say. Art or not, I don't know. I'm not there to judge, but uh, yeah. I guess if you'd like been talking to your neighbours and every one of them was like, my doormat's been stolen, you'd probably be like, wait, something funny's going on here. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just really funny. Uh, I wouldn't mind if someone wanted to come and take my doormat. It's not the end of the world. It's not very exciting, though. Mine's very unexciting. It's currently covered in leaves. So, yeah, they can have it if they want to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, we should probably finish up for this evening. Next week, we have been talking about bringing you our favourite music, especially from the 80s and 90s where we grew up and telling you all about our music trends. Or yes, not. Is, it might end up having to become a double episode because I was going through Triple, my Spotify yeah. list and <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah. Don't yeah, there might be a few. Yes. Trip down memory lane again. One hundred percent. Well, it was lovely having a chat with you this evening. Likewise, Christy, and thank you to everybody that's been listening. Um yes. Now, good evening and all our previous episodes as well. Uh, it's it's really nice to see that people are listening. Yay! Yay. <laughs> right, we'll see you next time. Take care, Christy. Bye. Bye. Bye.